The Education Channel supports individual educational goals and encourages creativity for all. Visit uctv.tv slash education. Welcome to the Mi Camino series, where we explore the pathways of our faculty and staff at UC San Diego. Today, we are here with Professor David Gonzalez and his family. Welcome, everybody, to Mi Camino. Thank you for having us. So, David, will you please introduce your wonderful family to us? Yes. So here to my left is my wife, Yolanda. Here, my son, Isaiah, my younger boy. My second older boy, David. His wife, my daughter-in-law, Mariah. And the joy of our life these days, my granddaughter, Elena. Welcome, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here, for making time in your busy schedules. To start us off, um, David and Yolanda, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself like, for example, where you grew up, where were your parents from, and uh, what was the philosophy around education in your homes? I'll let ladies go first. Um, well, both my parents um, uh, were born in Mexico, and we migrated over to uh, Oceanside when my, my dad, um, my dad, to join his family in Oceanside. Um, so I pretty much grew up there um, um, since, what, fourth grade, and... Um, Education wasn't on the top of the list uh, for us. Um, as teenagers, my dad would just say, uh, you, either you go to school, finish high school, or go to work. And so I, um, you know, being a um, part of a family of 10, um, I, uh, I started working at 16 while I was going through high school. I knew I did want to finish high school because my older sister didn't do it. Um, my second sister um uh, I love the look of the cap and gown. I thought it was it was it was it was something great to accomplish. So I wanted to follow that. Um, my other sister didn't graduate, so I was, I was excited. I was really excited to to do what she did. Um, but beyond that, I, it wasn't even a topic. College wasn't, I believe, a word that came out of my dad's mouth. Um, he just wanted us to finish high school or go to work. But you can't just stay home. Um, so. Um, so I did that. I accomplished that. But, um, but being that uh, um, um, work was, was kind of uh, on top of, of, of college, uh, I did think about it, but I didn't, I didn't it, wasn't, it wasn't that important. I need, what I needed is funds. So, um, so I, I went that route and I started working and, and that, was, that was it. That's a very real experience. You know, mm-hmm. oftentimes our Latino families, money is needed. And, and college really is, is not an opportunity or not something that is chosen because we're, we're all coming together contributing to the family, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So thank you for doing that for your family. Oh, thank you. And David? Yeah, so I grew up in San Marcos, California, right where Cal State San Marcos sits. So my mom is from Texas and my dad's from Mexico. And when my dad immigrated here uh, in the late 60s, he landed right where Cal State San Marcos is. It's a chicken ranch. It used to be a chicken ranch. And then my mom, because of the Vietnam War, her brothers got drafted. They came to Camp Pendleton, but they all kind of landed on that chicken ranch. So that's, you know, probably where I was conceived, right, <laughs> within that chicken ranch. And um, so we kind of started there. And then we moved in, um, stayed in San Marcos. And I went through the San Marcos, like, elementary school district, um, the junior high there. And then I spent about... I would say like two weeks at the high school. Um, and it's really similar to what Yolanda's saying. In our house, it was more about, you know, working, getting a job. 
So two weeks into high school, I decided you know, it was more important for me to have money, to have a job. So I dropped out and just went to work until I was 20 and a little bit before meeting Yolanda. Um, yeah, so that's basically it. Grew up in San Marcos, California, where my parents met at the chicken ranches. Education wasn't a big, um, you know, a big thing in the house. It was more about getting a job and getting to work. And um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it, but it was a great time. I, I had a great time growing up. It was a nice city in San Marcos, California. Yeah. Wonderful. So something happened. What was the switch? Um, something, something led you to pursue higher education. What was yeah. That? So it, it happened after we got married. Um, when you, you know, you hear these, you watch movies when people, when people have, you know, she was in labor at Tri-City Hospital. And I'd still at the moment, I never thought about going to school or nothing like this. But when I had the guy to your left here, David, um, something happened. It just, I remember when he was born, something inside me, I want to almost say it was heavenly, maybe something out of this, this earth, off this earth that spoke to me that day and really asked me, you know, what type of father did I want to be? What type of leader did I want to be? What type of example I wanted to be? And something in me just thought, wow, maybe education is the way to go. And it was really a jumped in head first into it. And it wasn't something that I planned or something that I thought I would be, you know, 20 years in or 15 years in now. It was just something of trying to be a better person, a better leader to, to the family, um, and, a, and, a, and a better husband to Yolanda. And, that, and that's, I felt education would take me there. And Yolanda, do you remember how you and David met? I was going to church in St. Patrick's um, in Carlsbad, and he uh, represented the Catholic Church in San Marcos. So each year they would send a group of, of, uh, of single people, that is, to, um, to this campground um, for a retreat. So uh, it was a Thursday, um, 1992, I remember clearly. It was Thanksgiving, and um, we were sitting in a circle, and I, I, he caught my eye, and, you know, they introduced us, and it was, I, I remember that day so clearly. Um, um, from then on, you know, we, we established a, a friendship, and it just moved on, and, and here we are, <laughs> multiplied. <laughs> It's, it's funny because pr- perspective is everything, right? Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, she says we were chosen, but um, I only went because I used to have a cousin who lived a block away from me, and she would come over religiously, like every month, and knock on the door and ask me to go to these you know, church retreats, something that I wasn't at all familiar with. And I remember just telling my mom, just lie to her, right? Tell her I'm not here. So she did for about like three, four times. And I remember like the fifth time, this is so it was somewhat serendipitous that I met Yolanda. The fifth time, she, my mom, for some reason, maybe I caught her on a bad day or something. But that day she wouldn't lie for me. She says, you know what? You need to get up and be a man and tell your cousin yourself that you're not going to go to these church retreats. And then I said, OK. So I got up, went to the door and then I saw her face. Right. So it was really <laughs> it was really hard for me to say no to her. So what I did, what I made an agreement with her, I said, OK, I'm going to go to this retreat. But if I don't like it, I'm, don't ever ask. Like, you can't come over every month and ask me to go. I'm going to go. And it was uh, during um, Thanksgiving time. And so I went and I thought it was going to be different. I thought we were going to be around the campfire, you know, having like some, you know, cocktails or something around the camp, you know, roasting some hot dogs. But it was something completely different. And I remember for the first time I saw Yolanda was when I was at a, on the bus still at St. Francis in, in Fallbrook. And I, I just saw this beautiful lady and this, you know, young girl with and this white scarf, and I just knew I had to talk to her. 
Yeah. You remember the white scarf? I remember he the white scarf. The white scarf. <laughs> you yeah. see, Yolanda? Mm, <laughs> I'm surprised he went because it was all in Spanish. And, you yeah. know, church talk is different from yeah, street talk. So right. well, what is this poetry doing there? <laughs> I well, I thought we were going to have, you know, some, you know, modelos around the fire and some right. hot dogs. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> it's different. <laughs> so uh, out of the union of your love, you had two sons. And I'd like to have them take an opportunity to introduce themselves. So how about we start with you? I'm Isaiah. I'm the youngest of us, too. Uh, 25. I uh, actually graduated from this institution that we're at now uh, back in 2019, um, pursuing medical school at the moment, um, but, you know, just working now at the moment, but trying to get into medical school. And David, how about you introduce yourself to our audience? So I'm David. I'm 26 years old. I'm currently a second year uh, PhD student at UC Riverside, uh, studying biomedical sciences, and I'm a proud member of the uh, Dr. Scott Pagan Lab. And I'm also a proud father and husband to my beautiful wife, uh, Mariah and Elena. And Mariah, how about you? you introduce yourself to the audience. Um, okay, my name is Mariah. Um, I, uh, we live on campus at UC Riverside. Um, we have been together for almost seven years now. Um, I currently work um, uh, in the alterations department at David Spreidel. You and your mother-in-law's experience were very similar. You were the, the powerful mujer supporting your husbands through universities. Why don't you share a little bit about what that was like for you and how it was that you, you were able to support David in his journey through higher ed? I've been working since I was 17, so that's um, something I'm used to, just working a full-time job. But um, since we've been together, we... Um, I understood what he was taking on as far as pursuing a higher education. And I think that I understood as his partner and wife that, you know, I needed to continue to work to be able to support our family and um, allow him to just solely focus on pursuing his PhD. And um, it definitely comes with its difficulties um, having to, I guess, in a sense, you know, just... um, put, you know, my life on hold for a little bit while, you know, I support him, but it's, I'm so proud of him and I'm more than happy to be, you know, doing my role as his wife and, you know, as the mother to our daughter. So your daughter-in-law was talking about, Yolanda, your daughter-in-law was talking about, you know, the, the decision to really help and be there for your husband, you know, your husband, your partner. Um, Maybe you could tell us a little bit about what that was like for you. What was that experience? Because the reason we invited the whole family is that, you know, we understand that in order for someone to succeed, there are people who are helping them through that process. And so we we want to hear your story as well. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about um, that experience for you and what it was like, uh, both, you know, the funny times, the challenging times, anything you want to share? <laughs> yeah, I remember not having that conversation about school up until the kids were born. Um, I remember he just came up to me and he, he offered for me uh, to go or he uh, said, if not, then I could go. So I really appreciated that part that he included me in that, you know, in that decision making. Um, and so I was I was fascinated that he was thrilled about it so it didn't take long from him 
from us having that conversation to him signing up for. So he it just like literally it just he thought about it. He uh, approached me about it, and he just went for it. it. Again, you know, he just he just dove in, and um, uh, I I remember how how um, how um, I was how surprised I was that he. Um, that he that it just just came out of nowhere, um, and so um, um, you know, like he's, he's, he has said before, it started out kind of kind of a little a little rough because the schedules and the work and you know some responsibilities were more on my side. Um, drop off the kids, pick up the kids, and you know um, we had one car at one point, so uh, we had to all go jump in the car and. And go pick him up from school, or um, you know, at nighttime. Um, all these little things where the kids were already sleeping, and um, you know, it it, it, it was hard uh, uh, having to pick him up while they're sleeping, put him in the car seats because they, they both have had car seats at one point. Uh, but um, um, when he sets his mind to something, um, uh, in this case, especially important, I I had no doubts about you know supporting his his uh, his desire to to do that. And, um, um, I, it, it kind of made me, um, love to work, um, to fulfill my, my, my duties, uh, and with my employer, because I knew I was, I was holding something special. And then I, I know like David and I spoke before, and there was a lot of talk around the graduations. And I know David made a conscious choice not to attend his graduations. And so I'm wondering, <laughs> you know, as someone who was behind the scenes helping him, uh, what, is your, what, are you, what are your aspirations? Like, have you, were you able to see your sons graduate? I, I don't know the story about that. When it came to his graduation, um, it wasn't like when you graduate from high school and that's your first, your first step to, to the unknown, you know? Um, um, where you have, have your, 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 um, you have your party and everyone's happy about it. And then you move on to find, finding yourself, uh, you know, your spot in the world. Uh, with him, the way he explained it to me, it was, there's still a lot of work to do. He wasn't satisfied until he was. And, um, he, he's not about like thrills and, you know, and, and confetti all over the place for him, it, all the attention to him. He, he, he explained to me there's, there are some things, some steps that need to be taken before I get to celebrate, uh, that moment. So, um, um, so I, I learned a lot, um, uh, about, um, having completed, you know, um, a, a particular degree, uh, uh, in regards to the kids, um, uh, I didn't know, um, if they want, would, would go on to further uh, education. Uh, uh, so for me, having witnessed um, him supporting them, um, that gave me um, a sense of, of, of peace, knowing that him, he didn't have that support from, from anywhere, pretty much. Um, he, didn't, he didn't have that um, about calling somebody and getting some, some advice. Um, some suggestions, anything. Um, he pretty much um, was blessed. He has used that word um, quite a bit about encountering people in his life that have become blessings. Even our landlord <laughs> back in the day, um, the rent was so low. We had a little teeny weeny house, but it was enough for us for that moment, for that purpose. Mm -hmm. And so without that, 
we would have had to, you know, maybe move in with somebody and the kind of people that we are. We prefer our own little space. Mm -hmm. um, so that was that was a treasure. That was a blessing. So um, I remember him. Um, I get to um, go off the <laughs> subject a bit. But is there are so many things that come to mind right now um, as far as uh, um, um, having the blessing of him being around for them to um, have that um, that support. It was it was just like I couldn't ask for anything else. You know, I couldn't anything more. So I was really, of course, I was really proud to have witnessed their their um, their um, completing their their um, bachelor. Um, and I was I was surprised when he wanted to continue and then he wants to go to medical school. And for me, if they stop at at this point, you know, I, I'm really really proud of them. Um, if they want to continue, that's cherry on top, you know. I love your philosophy of like, I'm not done. <laughs> um, so I think that's a great philosophy. And that philosophy has really gotten you to where you are, Dr. Gonzalez. So I would love if you would just take a few minutes to share a little bit about um, the research that you do. And you also had something very unique, like this doesn't happen very often uh, when we look at faculty across the academy where you um, did your graduate work and your postdoc and then a faculty appointment all at the same institution. So. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I would say at heart I'm a biochemist. So there's this little world that we can't see made of atoms and, you know, compounds, things that I, I've been teaching or trying to teach Elena about the atom. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, so I'm very fascinated with that world, the, the world that we can't see. And that fascination kind of grew into trying to understand how that can impact health and disease, human health and disease. So um, my lab it studies, broad sense, host-microbe interactions. So how does a host, a human, an animal, interact with its environment? And we all know with the infectious diseases with COVID that's been so cr critical the last you know, few years to try to understand how that's happening. So... I guess, broadly speaking, my, my lab itself is concentrated on host microbe interactions, but really from a biochemist perspective. And then um, that unique trajectory of, of staying here. And it, 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 yeah, that does, I, I get that question a lot because it doesn't normally happen that much. But it was just really, um, I tell people, I, it wasn't planned. It was more about just having so much fun doing science. I really, and that's how I feel like even today, it just, seven years in to the job being a tenured professor. It's all about just having fun, um, doing science, being at the cutting edge of science. And it's kind of cool that they pay you to do this, right? So, so I think that was, uh, you know, people at UCSD saw that. They picked up on that. And um, I think the last year of my postdoc, uh, the once who used to be the dean, um, Palmer Taylor, he approached me with a job and he said, that they would really like to keep me here at UC San Diego, if, if possible. Yeah. When you and I spoke, you inspired me because you shared the story of how you had to really come up with something very unique for you in order to like get tenure. And so you told me the little story about how you hopped on a plane and you... I'll cut forward to it because... So, so basically, when, when I was in, in negotiations with UCSD for a faculty position... I thought everything was going smooth. I thought everything was like, great, I'm going to sign. Um, no problems. But then that last meeting, when the contract was there, 
one of the one of the professors said, "Well, look at we're still kind of throwing this back and forth because you did do your post your PhD here, you did do your postdoc here, and we really want you to bring something new to the university." And and I would say that was probably did it hurt when I when I heard that? Yes, it absolutely hurt. I remember not crying because of uh, you know I was sad, but I was driving up the five. I was tearing up because I was so mad that I couldn't believe that. That, that happened, right? That meeting went through. But, but that really challenged me. That, that really challenged me that day. And I said, okay, well, hold up. I said, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a quitter. How can, I, how can I respond to this? How can I bring something new to UCSD? So I started looking in my field. And it just happened that year in 2015. Like probably one of the biggest breakthroughs in, in, in technology came through. And it happened at Harvard. And for some reason, and you can ask Yolanda. Yolanda said I was talking in my sleep and pr- practicing what I was going to say. But I came up with this idea that I was going to go to Harvard. I, for me, it was easy. I'm going to go to Harvard. I'm going to take that technology, and I'm going to bring it back to UC San Diego. And that's going to be my niche here. And, um, you know, it actually, that's, it kind of went just like I planned, somewhat, right? I, I, I took the red eye down to Boston. Um, I talked to a professor, you know, took the tea for the first time down, down to the university. And then when I got there, he forgot he, he forgot that I was going to show up. And, um, you know, that all, again, it was a blessing in disguise. So he left me there with a postdoc and um, someone that really knew the technology well. So I stayed three, four days there with him in his lab. And then at the end, I was able to bring that technology, bring the postdoc, all the modifications that they did at Harvard back to UC, back to UC San Diego. And that's been instrumental for, for success for my lab. So... That's why I, I always tell people it was, um, it's not me. It's really um, this kind of, sh- I feel like I'm on this shuttle and I'm just enjoying the ride. I'm still enjoying the ride. And it, it appears like the passion rubbed off on <laughs> Isaiah and David. And so, Isaiah, I know you are an alum of UC San Diego. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about your experience here at UC San Diego. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, I think going in, uh, a lot of this probably happens to a lot of UCSD students. You're the smartest uh, kid in your class. And obviously, with the background my dad gave us, you know, I was going in pretty confident. Um, you know, I was one of those kids that, like, never really had to study. I uh, just kind of, like, winged it and did well in school. Um, going into college is pretty humbling, I feel like. <laughs> you know, first of all, you're on your own. You're away from your parents. And everything gets a lot harder. So I remember, you know, kind of trying to adjust to both those things, like a new like social circle, you know, you're kind of in your bubble in high school, middle school, um, adjusting to that and also adjusting to like the um, accelerated pace. Like I remember one of the first classes I took here was uh, uh, chemistry honors. And I was like, yeah, I'll be fine. I've taken honors my whole life. And you were supposed to know calc two or three. I did not, I'd never taken calc two or three. So that was like a slap in the face. Like, wow, you really need to gear up. You need to learn how to be a student. Um, So I, I figured that out, you know, I, and I, you, you kind of find your social circle. So, you know, uh, your brothers in arms, like my, my friends, Nick and Jared, we were all like, you know, just grinding together, studying, getting through those hardships together, uh, becoming better friends, finding your social circle. Um, so I feel like in the beginning, it was a little difficult to adjust to at first. Um, like obviously the foundation my, my father gave us um, helped out a lot. Um, and as soon as I found like, you know, my social circle and, and got adjusted to the college, you know, accelerated academics. Uh, I, I feel like after that, it was smooth sailing. I mean, um, once you find your place and you figure out how to be a student, I think it's 
once you apply yourself, you set a, a good schedule, and it was pretty smooth. Thank you for sharing that story, because we hear that very often, especially from our first-generation college-going students, which you're not. Um, but I think it will help them normalize their experience, yeah. especially coming from you, who was well-prepared with a father who yeah. has a PhD in STEM. Um, earlier, you were saying that you know he was teaching the both of you. Like biology, chemistry, <laughs> yeah. It's weird because, you know, you have that foundation. My dad was teaching us when we were five or six, you know, biology, chemistry. So everything had been so easy, you know, and I thought, you know, it should be easy going into college, right? It'll be much of the same thing. Um, so it, it was a, it was pretty shocking, you know, to, to, you know, it's, everyone has struggles. That's what you learn, you know, everyone struggles and, and it's how you deal with that that really like, um, defines you, you know? So I think, uh, initially everyone's going to struggle. So like if, you know, anyone deals with that going into college and you're not alone you know you'll, you'll find that as you make friends and you um, find your circle and find your place yeah thank you and David maybe you could share a little bit about your experience yeah so as an undergrad at Cal State San Marcos and also a partial student at Miracosta College um, I guess you could say I had your classic experience of someone who you know wasn't the smartest person in the class who had to, you know, <laughs> work super hard to get a C or a B. And I guess you could say, you know, just for me, it was just, you know, always an uphill battle. So my brother and I, it's funny, we talk about all the time how, you know, I always saw him as, as this guy that, you know, everything came easy to him. For me, it was like so difficult. We even in high school took a class together, AP Biology. And without him, I probably wouldn't even have passed the class. But... <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I would say that we had very different experiences. Of course, you know, I had your classic Latino, um, you know, uh, life in terms of, you know, being a young father and, and, uh, you know, trying to balance, you know, work and, and, you know, and my family. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, as my brother said, you know, um, when you come in as a freshman, you're exposed to so many things and, what you did previously maybe isn't going to work this time. So for me, as a person <laughs> where nothing uh, ever worked, um, and I always, you know, I was always the one too stubborn to, to listen to my father. And in terms of, you know, all the stuff that he tried, he tried to teach us, all the tools he tried to give us, I, I always fought it because I wanted to do things my way. And so as a person who wants to do things your own way, you know, you have to troubleshoot by yourself. So going through college for me was every year was a challenge. But I figured that, you know, if I can do it my way, then, then I would be proud of of what I did. And, you know, like I said, year after year, I felt myself getting stronger. And, you know, through the love and support of my family, I just felt that, hey, I, I belong here and I can maybe be somebody in, in this in this field. So, yeah, that's my experience. And I, it, I would argue and say that he did listen to me. <laughs> I would argue and say he did listen to me. Because Eventually, yeah. It's after, funny. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's funny because like I like I think about my brothers and I's path, and obviously like I went right after high school. I went to college, and you know, I went to a four year, and I like, moved out, and you know, college passed by like this. You know, it's like in the blink of an eye, and I was always like, move to the next step, move to the next step, but. You know, I've been met with, you know, a couple last years, you know, I have to like improve my clinical experience. There's a lot of factors that go into like a medical school center. It's like a, sometimes it feels like a lottery, you know, but, you know, I'm still trying, I'm still cracking at it. And, you know, David talks about his struggles, but I'm like, 
I look up to you, man. That's awesome that you're, he's in PhD school, you know, he's got a beautiful family. Um, he seems pretty stable. So like, I'm still, I'm still trying to figure it out as the guy who had it all figured out, you know? So, um, you know, it's funny hearing that because I mean, just look at us now. You're like, David's doing it fantastic. So I look up to you, man. It's appreciate it. Beautiful to watch. Yeah. And, uh, to, to piggyback off of that, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, similar, similar to my father. My undergrad took, you know, an extended period of time. I think it was about six years because there, there was a time, you know, after my first year where I just, my interest for school declined. Um, you could say it was due to having a family or for me, it was more so just, <clears throat> as I mentioned, I want to do things my way. So if I don't think school is, is the right way to go, then maybe it's not. However, you know, like I said, through counseling with my family and just really sitting down and trying to game plan what I want to do with my life. I realized, you know, I have all the tools and all the support. Why not try to give another crack? So, you know, like I said, my experience, I think a lot of of people can relate to me in terms of, you know, you don't feel like you're, I guess, you don't feel like, like you're supposed to be there. And maybe it was a fluke. Maybe it was a, a lottery, right? <laughs> Maybe it was a lottery, but I realized it's, it's not, you know, and you just got to find it within yourself. And like I said, having good people around you is, is key because without them, there's no way. There's, there's absolutely no way I would be here today. Well, you're about to join a very rare group of people because the literature shows that of 100 high school graduates who are Latino, 0.02% end up with a PhD. So uh, keep up the good work. Appreciate that. (laughs) And um, so, David, I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your undergraduate experience. And then also, like, did you notice that your sons had an aptitude for STEM? Or were you like, my boys are going to, they're going to kick ass in STEM. What what was it? They had no choice. They had no choice. I'll I'll get there. I'll get there. But my undergrad experience was um, very... Uh, I would say a journey of finding myself. I went in as a religious studies major. So I thought I've always wondered like until I think this morning when I woke up like at two o'clock in the morning, I was wondering like, what are we doing here in this you know crazy world? And, you know, so it was, it's always been fascinating to me to understand more about like the spiritual part of life. So, I, so I, I declared a religious studies major and then while Yolanda and I were juggling, you know, I was playing Mr. Mom. She was, you know, she was really the foundation. She was working full time, right, at the time. And I was shuttling back to the community colleges here in San Diego. And, you know, during that time, it was kind of situational. I was trying to avoid STEM as much as I could. Uh, you know, I, I, you know to, to, to rewind, I dropped out of school pretty much in eighth grade. So I didn't really have had an eighth grade education when I was going to community college. So I was trying to run from STEM as much as I could. Um, but then it just happened that this, you know, taking care of the kids, Yolanda working, I had to take this chemistry class <laughs> and, and it all came down to, I remember going home, coming home from the classes, you know, great teachers are, are, are can, you know, a teacher can be so impactful, even someone you don't know, right? I didn't know this guy. His name was Don Robinson. Um, he was a professor from Utah. He came down to Maricosta. And I just remember that first day when he started talking about chemistry, talk, he, he went to the shelf and he took out a couple bottles and this little spoon, and he started mixing things while he was going over the syllabus. And at the very end, while he, when he went over the syllabus, he made a plastic. And for some reason, I thought that was just like 
the most amazing thing I had seen. And I'm, I started questioning myself, well, maybe understanding the macro world, you know, this big reason why we're here is maybe ambitious, but maybe I can go down more to the micro world and start understanding things like atoms, things like that we talk about, right? <laughs> and, 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 you know, molecules and maybe try to understand life from that perspective. And, and that's kind of how it all started. And I caught the bug. So once I took my second STEM class, I was like, wow, this is easy. Why isn't it easy for everybody else? And it's because if, when you love something, right, it doesn't seem like work. And, and that's kind of how I fell in STEM, just really good teachers, good professors that, that, that I ran into, R- really blessed to do that. You know, when, when, you have to, when your wife's working and you have to take care of the kids and try to study at the same time, you find strategies, Right. And my strategy was I'm going to type out a thousand, uh, print out a thousand math problems. So I'm going to wake up when she leaves, like at six. We're all going to wake up together. They're going to do two hours of math. I'm going to study. And then if they're when they're done, they get to eat. Right. (laughs) And I remember one of my classmates thought I was crazy because she's like a psychology major. She's like, what are you doing to your kids? And I'm like, well, you know, things that I have to do. Right. So. So, um, yeah, no, no, no. They they, honestly, I think they had no choice. To, to get into where the STEM field, but I mean, I'm proud of what I did because I mean, yeah, although David fought it for a bit, I know he still was listening. You know, this thing about doing it his way, um, <laughs> you know, that, that's what he says, but I, I know he was listening. I mean, and, I mean, he's here, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So Isaiah and David, um, your father was saying how he had to be clever when it came to a child rearing and he would print out math problems for you all to do. So maybe you could share a little bit about what was it like growing up with a father who was also in university working towards a PhD, was studying STEM? How did that impact you? I, I think you can't really appreciate it until you actually do it. So when I finally got into college and was in like the study grind and all the responsibilities you had, I didn't really appreciate it until I thought then, I was like, wow, what if I had kids at this point? You know, I had kids to take care of. So I, I Thinking that was hard, you know, getting adjusted freshman year. And on top of that, having children would be, to me, crazy. And, you know, understanding that my dad, you know, like worked very hard to, to help raise us, to make us men, basically. It was, now I'm very appreciative. But back then, my, my mother and my father worked so hard. I, I just grew up. I was happy. Like, I had not much to worry about. I just wanted to play baseball and do well in my studies and make my dad proud, you know. And I figured I'd just do what my dad tells me and you know if I get these math problems right I'll get to eat <laughs> but, but you know that's I didn't it was crazy uh, in retrospect you know how to think how hard they worked because I had a happy childhood you know I'd, I mean we didn't we're low income and you know we had a lot of uh, blessings like my mom and dad say but um, as a kid you know obviously you're, you're pretty blind to like the realities of the world I was very happy so I, I you know I, my parents to thank for that they worked very hard yeah, I mean, I would agree. I mean, going back to our humble days, uh, you know, on Madison Street, my parents did a really good job of kind of keeping the, you know, the details of what had to be done for us to, you know, live our lives, you know, pre- pretty, they did a really good job of doing that. So, like I said, my brother and I were just always happy. We played baseball. We did our thing. Um, we went through our few hours of torture with <laughs> with the packets. Um but yeah, I mean, I didn't fully appreciate or understand, you know, the magnitude of what was going on until, you know, I, I got to the PhD level, to be honest. I mean, like most things, I would, would just kind of show up, give my best effort, 
and go from there. But you know, when, when you when I sit down, and I think about my brother said, like, how did my dad do this with two children? How, how did my mom, you know, have the sanity to to sit through all of that? Right. So yeah, it's just it's truly amazing, and I think I can speak for all of us. You know, we're all, we're all thankful to God and and the powers that be. So yeah. And so you're getting your PhD at the University of California, Riverside. And what is going to be the focus of your research and your dissertation? Yeah, so right now I'm in uh, Dr. Scott Pagan's laboratory in the uh, School of Medicine Research Building. And to give you a broad spectrum, we study infectious diseases and mechanisms of infection at the protein level. So that's kind of where my project comes in is I'm trying to understand how does this virus infect the host through this particular protein and how can we understand this better and through this understanding can we develop a therapeutic so that's essentially what my research entails and I was very blessed to have um, a great mentor as my dad said like behind any great student is a great mentor and that person is Dr. Scott Pagan and he's opened my eyes up to lots of things that I need to work on however he's shown me my own strengths and just having confidence in myself you know and also planning making sure every move that I make is is calculated and I think having someone like that you know in my life is huge because you know the PhD can like can last you know an X amount of years and you can kind of drift away into into this gray area however if you have this you know you have a good support good mentor you know he kind of keeps you anchored and so that's kind of who's who, who Dr. Scott is for me and the research that we do is super interesting, um, and it's pretty amazing that we have collaborators at the CDC, at the, with the DOD as well. So having you know that government kind of you know connection, and also just kind of having that having research at that level is is truly a blessing. Maybe you could share because I think most of our listeners, our videos are always targeted towards you know first gen prospective students, and maybe you could share a little bit that. When it comes to getting a PhD, you actually get paid to yeah. get it. Can you share a little bit about how that works for our yeah, listeners? Yeah, of course. So, <clears throat> you know, if you go through any, um, you know, PhD, PhD program website on, on any uh, given university, they'll, they'll have all the details there for you, you know, how much you could get paid per year. Um, in most cases, you only have to pay for the application fee. So... Yeah, I mean, for me, it made sense, right? So, and and especially, you know, having that kind of financial support is is huge because you know you're so engulfed in in the research and you know trying to you know balance your, your life as well, and you know definitely having that that financial compensation makes things a little bit easier, um, lightens the burden for sure, and yeah, I mean, I always tell people too, you know, it's never a bad idea to to you know keep that option there, you know, for pursuing a PhD because, you know, there are grants that are paying for your, your degree and you get paid on top of that. So, you know, like the, the, the pros was definitely outweigh the cons, right? So yeah, I mean, for me and like a lot of people that I know, it, it was a no brainer for sure. Mm-hmm. And Mariah, what was it like when you first met David and you met his family? I mean, I imagine you find out his dad's a PhD researcher and 
What, what was that like? Like, did you imagine, oh, we're going to all get together and talk about mitosis? Or, <laughs> or were you like, gosh, I hope not, you know? <laughs> um, when we first started uh, dating, we, I, I don't think I really understood like uh, what his dad did or even what David was trying to pursue. I think uh, he was in his freshman year of college when we met. So I think he was still trying to figure it out too, like what uh, path of science he wanted to go into. Um, but he didn't talk about it all that much. And he, I, I, I remember asking what his parents did and, you know, for work. And he goes, oh, my dad um, works in the science department at UCSD. And that was it. So that's just very like vague. I didn't, it wasn't until like I sat down with his dad and he explained, you know, what a day to day looks like, or like, that's when I understood like <laughs> the scope of his work and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, I, um, they were very welcoming when I first met them. Um, but, um, now, you know, forward, fast forward all these years, um, it's, I think it's amazing from, you know, from coming into the family and seeing um, the legacy that he's created for his boys and now what David and Isaiah are going into. And uh, it's really something amazing. I wonder, Mariah, what do you, do you aspire for a career in STEM for your daughter or? I think it would be really cool to see a third generation, you know, um, STEM uh, student. I what I want for her in terms of education, of course, I would love for her to pursue a higher education, just like her dad and her uncle and her grandfather. Um, but at the end of the day, I just want her to be happy in whatever she chooses to do in life. Yeah, totally, totally. Elena's thinking, when am I going to get a question? <laughs> Is that what you're thinking, Elena? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, Elena, the next question was for you. What, what do you think your Tata does for a living? He is a scientist. He's a scientist. <laughs> And, and what do scientists do? They do experiments. They do experiments. <laughs> and do you, do you think you want to be a scientist when you get older? Like Tata and Daddy? Yes. Yes. You do experiments. Do you remember? What do you do? I mix colors up to see what it makes. <laughs> nice. And she has goggles and she has a white robe. Oh. Lab coat, huh? I'm the little scientist. These are the two big scientists. They're the big, they're the big scientists and you're the little scientist. <laughs> That's great. Can we talk a little bit about the plans for the future? Where do you see your, your research going? What do you have on the horizon? It, it's actually an amazing time right now. And, and it, from, you know, for myself, my lab is, um, and I'm not bragging <laughs> because I've been in you know, valleys. I, my lab has been low in funding. But right now, um, I'm on a very high hill. Um, I probably, I think I have something like eight or nine grants right now. So um, my lab is extremely well-funded. And seven years in, we're starting to, you know, with the technology that we borrowed from Harvard, right? We're starting to find a lot of interesting findings in a lot of diverse fields. So, for example, we're studying, like, gut and the microbiome. You know, how do all those microbes in your gut affect your health and we have a couple patents here at UCSD. Um, we also are pursuing a vaccine for strep, so strep throat. You know, close to a billion people a year get strep throat worldwide, and there's no vaccine available. So I'm at a somewhat of a crossroads right now in my career at UCSD, where I've done all this amazing science that's funded my lab, but now there's also this avenue potentially to, to begin starting a company, 
And, and that's kind of where I'm at right now and how much effort I want to put towards that and how much effort UCSD will let me put towards that too is, is, is a question. Yeah. But, but I, I see my, 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 um, my science, my lab, it's on the upward trajectory. It was hard to get there and I don't think we're done. I think we're going to continue moving, you know, upward. And the question is where to, is it more about academic science or is it going to push towards more a, you know, industry biotech type of science? Um, to close, I would love to hear from each of you um, a little bit different. But for you, I'd like for you, I say it, to share um, maybe a memory, your fondest memory of being an alum from UC San Diego. I'd say just kind of sharing the the struggle with people, you know, in your in your classes and your majors. That was... Uh, like my fondest memories are like studying for organic chemistry at like midnight in the lecture halls, like study rooms at midnight, just, you know, two monsters, energy drinks down, just rapid fire trying to teach everyone O-chem, you know, the night before the test. Because you wake up every day and you kind of have like something to look forward to. Like you, you know your struggle, you know what you have to do, you know, and, and it was like clear cut, you know. So, um, you know, kind of getting through that struggle, the classes with your like your friends, your friend group, like going through all those um all the hardships together it was, you know, obviously it was difficult at the time, but looking back on it, I look at, uh, back on it fondly, you know. Thank you for sharing that. Yolanda, I was wondering if you might share um, a memory that stands out for you really significantly with your support of David, like where you were, you, you basically essentially feel like I was there for him, I helped him, maybe something that stands out very uniquely. The partnership that, that we, we've had for 26 years, um, um, I used to think marriage was 50-50, and I realized that there's no number. Sometimes you got to do 80, and sometimes you got to do 20. And um, it, it was just a, a learning uh, patience and appreci- appreciation for me, for, um, for him, and appreciating um, the opportunity given to our family via his desire, you know, to, to open this door through education and not, not even knowing where it was leading to. Mm. So that travel has been really um, amazing. I remember going through the, um, you know, the hard times financially. And then, of course, as a wife, you're like, ay, ay, ay. Um, then he was, well, I could stop right now after my bachelor's and go on to get a job. I said, no, I don't want to be the one to stop you. It'd be an obstacle, you know, in the, uh, in this, in this path. So, so I remember having the same conversation after the master's and then, um, and he again pointed everything out to me and he had no problem in stopping because, you know, he, he listened to me. He heard me. So, um. Again, I said, no, I don't want to be that person. So, um, so we just keep going, you know, people asking, when is he going to graduate? <laughs> As you mentioned, it took a, a while. But um, I, only I saw the, the, the hard work. I saw the long nights. I saw the, him getting up really early, you know, um, and again, develop this, this uh, respect I have for that, you know, person who um, de- desires, who wishes to, who, um, you know, decides I'm going to take that path. And 
I know it's not an easy one, sleepless uh, nights. And um, 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 I have learned to um, um, respect that. And so, of course, I'm really proud of him and, and the path he's taken. You know, the, the, you use the word respect. And um, when you were telling a story earlier, you said how David said to you, you can go to college or I can go to college. Mm-hmm. And I bet at that moment you were like, I married a good guy. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> so um, I'm wondering, throughout the journey, you're, you said, you know, it's, it's sometimes you think it's 50-50, but I'm sure there were times where David showed up to support you through mm-hmm. the process. Well, maybe you can share a little bit about that. Well, he, he would, um, again, listen to me, hear me out. You know, the thing is, sometimes, you know, you can't go out there and, and, and confide in everyone. Um, but again, because of that partnership that we, that we um, developed, um, part of that was him listening to me. And, and just me listening to myself say it out loud um, kind of made it better, you know, um, and, and hearing his um, suggestions and, and walking through every scenario. Uh, we're like, nope, nope, nope. And going back to um, um, wherever we were at that moment, um, that we, uh, it made me think that we were okay, we were going to make it. Um, so his support in that, in that listening, you know, being there for me, um, uh, not just dismissing, you know, what I felt, uh, um, that part was, was, uh, really important to me. Thank you. And David, David Jr. Um, so you're in your PhD program and I would love for you, what advice would you give to a young scholar who, you know, is going through, you said it took you about six years to, to get to through your undergraduate experience. Um, what advice would you have for a young scholar who's listening to this video right now? I would just say to be strong, to be strong, resilient, and do whatever it takes to not let, let that fire within yourself go out. Because once it's out, it's very, very difficult to pick yourself back up. And like I said, the foundation to success for me is your family. You know, me, I'm a spiritual person, so God. And also, like I said, just good people, you know, good friends, family friends, people that can anchor you. So I, the advice I would give is to just understand that you ha- be grateful for the things you do have and fight for those things. So as I mentioned, keeping the same energy every day, making sure that you don't let one bad day discourage you, one bad week, two weeks, because that, that is the PhD. Is <laughs> you know, it's a it's a profession of, of failure and being okay with that. So my advice again would be have confidence within yourself, be resilient, and to also remember that you're in a profession of failure. So it's okay to be down some days, and some days you're going to be up. So, yeah, that's what I would say. Thank you. Mariah, um, there are probably some young uh, couples who are together listening to this video. And what advice would you give a, a young couple who is going through the educational journey together? Be patient with each other above all else. Um, 
and communicate. I mean, communicate everything, even if it's something little, you know, some the good things, you know, the good days. Communicate, you know, that you're grateful for each other, you know, for each other's support, just remind each other. And the bad days, too, just communicate. I think even if it's something small, even if it's just, you know, you're just overwhelmed, either, you know, the person that's pursuing the higher education, the person that's, you know, working, just... I think just communication is key to keeping a healthy relationship, a healthy marriage, um, especially, you know, in this situation where David's pursuing his PhD. Thank you. And David, I'm wondering what advice would you give to, again, very similar to the question I asked your son, what advice would you give to scholars who are, who are listening to this, who are contemplating going to a four-year university? Yeah, I mean, I would say pursue something that you love. It doesn't have to be science. For me, it just happened to be right. to be science. And for the boys, it just happened to be they had no choice. <laughs> right? So, But I would say pursue something that you really like doing because someone that's 20 years ahead of those, you know, undergrads uh, in their career, it just feels so good. And so it doesn't feel like a job when you can wake up and you're just happy to go to work. And, you know, Yolanda... She still asks me, like, why do you get up at five in the morning to go to work? Like, you don't clock in. It's just that when I wake up, I'm just so excited to come to UCSD. I'm so excited to come to my lab to interact with my students, to help them, to mentor them. So an undergrad, I would tell them, try to pave the way. And the general, general curriculum kind of tries to do that, but try to find something you love. For a PhD, it's a different, you know, be ready. You know, be ready because, as David says, it is a field of failure. It is a huge, huge steep hill to climb. And I, I would say be ready to, to and, and bring that fire to try to finish. And, and, and I think probably most important for the PhD, as David also talked about, is make sure you surround yourself and you pick a good mentor, someone that's going to be supportive, someone that's going to help you through the ups and downs of, of for sure, your encounter during a PhD. Can I redo mine? I just thought of was, was like, sure. thinking about fond things. Like, um, like just drive like because like I used to commute with my dad uh, my second and fourth year to a UCSD and I'd wake up he wakes up early really early so coincidentally I woke up early and it didn't matter if I had class <laughs> at one I was waking up at five every day so obviously you know <laughs> I would be pretty tired we go into the car and every time my dad would I would try to sleep in the car and he would just blast thunderstruck by ACDC <laughs> like great, it was a great joke. Song. It is a great song. We'd go to the same uh, Angelo's on Coast Highway for like the whole year. And I, sorry, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, the, the struggles of, of college. And obviously that's a fond memory. But I have to mention the fact that my dad and I for two years just commuted uh, to and from UCSD together. Um, it was just I had to share my day with them, you know, and it brought us closer together. Um, even if he, you know, like had to, like, if he stayed late, I stayed late. If um, I had to stay late, he stayed late, you know. Um, and it also, I feel, I feel like it helped me with my studies, too, because even, again, if I had class at 12, uh, I had a four-hour early start of my day. So I had four hours, you know, like, grind things out that I needed to, to plan my day. Um, it kept me sharp, you know, uh, keeping hours with a, <laughs> the same hours as a professor. <laughs> but, you know, that was, that was actually probably my fondest memory of college, just commuting with my dad to and from uh, school. It was very fun. Um, you know, I down on my, <laughs> I remember being sad about, uh, I thought I did bad on a final and my dad, I thought he would console me on the way home. He's like, you got what you earned. 
<laughs> I'm looking for someone to tell me it's, it's, oh, it's okay, Isaiah. You got what you earned. And I got, and I went home and I said, you know what? He's right. I got what I earned. So I, those are my, honestly, my, my fondest memories of, of college, just commuting with my dad to and from. Brought us super close together. And I will never, ever forget Thunderstruck by ACDC. Wow. Like, I still have yet to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. I'm glad, I'm glad you, you shared that. I'm curious because I wonder if, because I think about myself, um, I wonder if, did you ever ask dad for help when you were having difficulty or were you like, nah, dad's going to give me a hard time. I'll just no, figure this out. Or I think, okay, obviously, I mean, I would, if I was going to ask for help, you know, I think he gave us all the support we needed, whether it was, you know, emotionally, like I had the foundations. I think he knows that I know what I need to do. It's just a matter of execution hmm. as far as like, um, like getting through school stuff, emotional, of course, you know, my father, my mother is there as well. My brother, um, and any like academic hardship or financial, obviously they're there, but specifically academic. Um, I, I know I had the tools, like I, I was given to them at a young age, you know, I just have to learn how to use them and, and apply that and, and find what works for me. So he's always been there. They're my family's my, my guiding light, you know, my, my foundation there, you know, I know that I always have them as a support system. So with that in mind, I, I can go into things confidently, you know? Nice. And dad, were you asking about grades or did you just kind of let them be? No, I mean, I, I knew, I knew both David and Isaiah. Um, I had them on a pretty tight regiment. I knew they knew their stuff. I mean, they were doing organic chemistry when they were like six and studying biology when they were seven. So I, I knew they had the tools. The question was more about, are they going to use them? And I think the story is Isaiah probably used, you know, followed that path that I paved out for him. David said, well, you know, I'm going to try my own kind of path. But I think they're both similar paths, right? So uh, I was 100% um, confident that they were ready. I knew, I knew, I mean, I spent thousands and thousands of hours with them, just like I have with Elena. And so I, I knew it was there. It was more of a question is, are they going to decide to walk down this road or are they going to decide a different road? But prepared they were, for sure. Well, thank you, Gonzalez family, for being here today and sharing your story. We really appreciate it.